Hello and welcome back to another episode of Talk and Chop, the official uh, sports podcast of the FSU and Florida Flambeau sports section. Uh, my name is Logan Grutchfield. Um, I am the host of Talk and Chop this year. And today I am joined by Gabriel Tisnes of V89. And he is also a writer with me at the FSU and Florida Flambeau. So Gabriel, how you doing? How was your Thanksgiving break? It was pretty good. Thanks for having me on the show again. Um, I went to Orlando to help my friend move. Um, his family was moving, so that was a little chaotic, but hey, it was pretty fun. It was better than just spending it here alone in Tallahassee because my family lives kind of far, so <laughs> I was kind of, you know, with my hands tied around my back. But uh, yeah, it was, it was good to... I, I like his family a lot, so I had a good That's time. That's great. That is great. Sounds like you definitely had a more eventful Thanksgiving break than just about any FSU sports as we saw a lot of football <laughs> cancellations and uh, the season got going just a little after uh, what we were anticipating for both teams but uh, a lot of basketball to talk about here so we had Florida State um, men's had their first game against U uh, University of North Florida and they that was a pretty resounding victory for sure 86 to 58 and I will tell you, this Florida State basketball team looks like an absolute just turnover machine. And I, I should clarify, not a turnover machine. They're not the ones, you know, losing the ball as much. But they forced 24 turnovers against UNF, one-third of all of their possessions. I think that probably the biggest team stat that sticks out to me from the game. And then, obviously, the hype around five-star recruit. Scotty Barnes was immense coming into the season. And then he looks, you know, for a player who's got a one and done season coming here. Um, he didn't score a ton of points. I don't think he, you know, I think some people had higher expectations than he might have delivered on, but he still looked just, you know, crazy on defense, crazy in transition. Absolutely. That um, behind the back dunk that he had just to kind of, you know, put an exclamation uh, mark on the game there was uh, stellar. And then he ended up coming in with, I believe it was, yeah, the second most minutes of anyone on the team. So um, obviously we know that, I mean, the most minutes, which was only two minutes ahead of him, was MJ Walker. And it's definitely good to see him kind of back in, you know, more heavily in the rotation after I know you kind of had some ups and downs in the last two seasons. But um, it's good to see him back in there and getting a, a lot, uh, a lot of playing time, but still only 26 minutes, not, you know, um, nothing outrageous. You know, it's not like um, we obviously know Coach Ham isn't going to go to the style of some of these other schools where you'd have your starters out there for, you know, in the high thirties, low forties, uh, minutes wise. But, um, uh, Gabriel, what did you see? I was definitely impressed just by the, um, tenacity of the defense. And then obviously Scotty Barnes, I think looked stellar. You know, I, I think we should just start with the fact that this is the first time that this team has taken to the court since, you know, the whole pandemic thing happened and they got to, you know, go back home instead of go play the ACC, uh, or I'm sorry, the national tournament. And so, it was, it was really good to see them back. Um, I missed them personally. And yeah, it was it was good to see Scotty. You know, there's been a lot of hype for him. He's been touted as one of the best recruits, if not the best recruit this, this program's ever gotten. And he kind of delivered, in my opinion, for his first night of action. 
um, his defense was particularly like impressive because he was just nonstop aggressive. His, his, his energy could be felt just by watching the screen. So I can only imagine what the, the players right by him were, were feeling like. And I think that's something that's going to be really important when they get to, you know, play against tougher teams. I think he's going to be a big leader, even though he's a true freshman, which is the crazy part. So the sky is really the limit for him. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, I think now we're also for Scotty Barnes. He wasn't here last season. But the big theme that stuck out to me just talking to I, I interviewed Raekwon Gray uh, just before Thanksgiving break. And I asked him a little bit about that, that ACC tournament that they had that, you know, it was just kind of ended right before FSU was going to play in that final. And he definitely said, you know, it simmered a little bit, but they definitely for the guys returning for this team, they definitely felt like they could have gone really, really far. You know, they could have just, you know, I mean, that they could have potentially won, you know, done the whole dance. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that that tenacity um, when we talk about it for this team, it was was extremely evident just um, and I mean, Florida State, North Florida. I don't think anybody would say they're on the same level necessarily, but I mean, North Florida is not a bad team. You know, I always think, you know, there's that funny, the, um, that short video you see on Twitter. Sometimes I know Austin Reynolds is a big fan of it. Um, he's another podcast guest we get every so often of that their coach just, you know, yelling and freaking out in the locker room, but they're a team that can really, you know, ding you from three, which they did in this game. I think um, I want to say it was early in the second half that they um I think were like yeah. they're going had like six mm-hmm. straight threes or they were like six for six for ten or something like that and, and really just cut the lead quick. You know, and they took I think mm-hmm. last season it was the most three point attempts of any team. And obviously you're gonna be hot. Obviously you're gonna be cold sometimes when that's your your strategy is kind of going up for the home run ball. But um I mean they can really I think you know, turn teams around and Florida state got ahead quick. They were up 27, 13, I believe at like the first media timeout or something. And, um, you know, they weren't able to, I think that's where North Florida can really make teams without that kind of mental toughness sputter a little bit. And Florida state really just, you know, didn't seem phased by that, which I, I was glad to see. Yeah. It, it felt like just water against rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Florida state was Florida State was not phased at all by their three points. Uh, and so, yeah, it was it was just like they were going to play defense against them, like right up against them. They were not going to give them any space. And even then, they would still take the threes, and they wouldn't even make them sometimes. Props to them. But, but yeah, Florida State was on another level than them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that um, looking at just, you know, kind of the stat sheet that doesn't really tell – as much but it looks like Leonard Hamilton at least in the early part of the season wants to get fairly creative with how he's using everybody I mean he started MJ Walker Kovrovica started Raekwon Gray started uh Scotty Barnes and uh Anthony Polite started and I would think Polite Scotty Barnes and Raekwon Gray maybe MJ Walker would be mainstays you know barring something really odd happening you know maybe you could mix in somebody like um Sidar Calhoun or Malik Osborne in there. But um, he really, I mean, there were, let's see here, two, three, four, ten different players that got at least ten minutes of playing time. 
you know, and still, even with kind of, you know, that in and out and in and out, you would worry that some players might be moving too quick to really find a rhythm. But still, I mean, it was, you know, Florida State had a 15-point lead at the half, tacked on another 13 points of a lead uh, en route to an 86-58 win. And a lot of it was that, I mean, looking at for their starters, it looks like they're, they were just all shooting, you know, having great nights, um, you know, shooting from the paint, um, shooting threes as well. Not too bad. MJ Walker had a heck of a night, putting up 17 points. And I'm surprised Balsa came in behind him with 13. So um, I think that, you know, this was a great game for me in the sense that Florida State, you know, kind of barring, I mean, they gave up a lot of threes, but when you're up against a team that shoots the most threes in the nation is really, you know, makes that part of their game plan more than almost more than, well, literally any other school in the country. Um, This is not a game where Florida State was scuffling basically at all. So um, I'm, I'm really just pleased by that performance that they had. I feel like, you know, this could have been, you know, it's the first game of the season. They were waiting to play um, Gardner Webb earlier, and then that got postponed. Now we do know that that has been rescheduled to December 21st at 8 p.m. So that'll be another good game. And I think kind of a, a good buffer game as well for Florida State to really, you know, kind of like this. Would you say, Gabriel, where, you know, it's like you can kind of just say, okay, do we have um, – are we running on all cylinders here? Um, how are we How are we looking? You know, would you say that Gardner-Webb might shape up to be a game like that? Yeah, I think it'll be a good good checkpoint for them to, to kind of, you know, look back and see how they've been doing and then maybe tweak a little bit, um, whether it be a starting lineup decision or maybe a little bit more minutes for a certain type of player. Um, yeah, I think it, it would be a, not necessarily a good test, but – but definitely something that'll keep them going because they cannot get bored this early on in the season. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's especially just kind of a, a good, you know, if coach ham sees any tweaks that he needs to make, you know, it's a good time to, you know, almost a tune up game, you know, where you say, okay, you know, exactly. we can do this if we need to, we can do that. You know, there's, there's a lot of what, um, what they can do. And then in terms of, I think, you know, we'll get, we'll touch on this with the women's team as well, but, um, I mean, just in terms of rebounding, you know, I know that is a huge part of the game plan. Obviously, I mean, you say it's a huge part of the game plan, scoring points, everything. Obviously, the good stuff's part of your game plan. Um, the bad stuff's not. But, I mean, you know, 42 total rebounds is just, my gosh. You know, this team is really, it seems like they were just, you know, they exceeded my expectations for sure. Just in, I mean, the the diversity of how well they did in seemingly every part of the game. Now, I mean, besides, you know, UNF coming out of the break hot, um, the first half, I think, was all FSU. And then they still ended that second half, you know, I guess they were pretty toe-to-toe for most of it, and then ended it on a 16-2 run. So, I mean, if there was any would you say there's much in the way of weakness that you saw out of this game, Gabriel? I mean, maybe just with, you know, three point defense. Um, what, what, what would you say? It's kind of interesting to think about that because, you know, they gave up a lot of threes, but then you look at everything else that they gave up and you don't really see much because <laughs> it was either the three or nothing for North Florida. And, you know, you, you live by the three, you die by the three. 
And Florida State was ready for that. They were willing to, you know, give a, a three here and there as long as nothing else was falling for them. So I think that's just part of the game plan, really. I don't think it's something to be concerned looking or going forward, I should say. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can't really put too much weight into the season opener against North Florida as much as I'd like to to get excited for the future. But what I can get excited for is just the fact that we have Coach Hamilton and I, I really believe in him. I really believe that he is the best coach in the, in the conference and he's got the the players to, you know, do what he needs to do to get to where they were last year. And this team looks to be really excited to go forward and um, compete against everyone. They look hungry to like just prove that they deserve to be where they were at. And also to prove everyone that doesn't think that they had a shot at going to the, to the final four. Um, you know, Dick Vitale from um, ESPN had a book and he claims that in his fantasy world, Florida State wins it all. And I love to hear it. And he has our back. So, yeah, I think this team really wants to prove a point. And that that's that's one of the best things you can have. You, you just want the players to be excited at the start of the season and and really like push themselves. And I think that's something that we're going to see in every single game going forward. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you make a great point there. Just and, and I think the coaching staff has done. Obviously, they're not going out every day and saying, oh, we could have, we could have, we could have done this, we should have done this, we, you know, would have done this if COVID, blah, 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 blah. You know, you could harp on that all you want. But I, I think, the, especially the tone I get just from the players, you know, is that they've done a pretty solid job in, you know, kind of saying, all right, you know, let's just kind of hit the ground running. You know, we know that we're talented. Um, obviously, I think Florida State is really starting to get a lot more of the um, – you know, a bit of a benefit of the doubt from the national media, whereas, you know, and maybe it's just because we're a basketball school now. But um, I think, you know, before it was like, wow, you know, this is kind of crazy that, you know, this basketball team is doing as well as it is. And then now it's like, you know, is old news. I remember my freshman year, you know, three, three, four years ago, it was like, wow, you know, we're in the elite eight, you know, we're doing this well, you know, not like I expected us to suck, but now it's like, all right, you know, elite eight, we should be there, you know, for sure. Um, ACC tournament, you know, ACC victory. We should, you know, be really just kind of consistent dogs in the hunt for that. Now, going back to this UNF um, outcome, I'm looking at the game plan. And, and when you're talking here just about kind of the three point um, three point shots as such a massive part of the um, UNF game plan, I went back and checked in 33 out of their 58 points, more than half, 33 out of 58. Um, let's see, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to consult my, um, you know, galaxy brain technology here and see, all right. So 57%, 56.89655 for those of you doing the math at home, but, um, 57% of all their points came from three point shots. So, I mean, for me, I just, I look at that. I, I'm just, you know, it gives me optimism in the coaching staff because how I would interpret that is coach ham and you know coaches in the strategy meeting saying okay you know if you guys are going to come out here and just you have the hot hand of all hot hands you know you're hitting threes left right and center you know we can't really stop that you know we know you're going to shoot threes but what we can do is lock you down in the paint you know lock you down when you're really in the zone and if you want to shoot deep threes you know we'll we'll give you that shot you know but we're not going to let you beat us on on you know, the other side of that. 
And then I look at that, you know, that final run that they had um, to end the game. It was a 16 to two run Florida state. And so there's no three point shots that were made in that range. Um, I mean, it really, to me seems like, you know, obviously they had, I think a game plan that gave them confidence, you know, a lot to really you know, a, a good, easily applied game plan is how I would describe it. You know, where it's like, okay, we do this, 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 and that should go pretty well. Um, but then it seems to me, especially with that late run at the end, that the team was able to make a lot of in-game adjustments to even start locking down a team that shoots the most threes in the nation. You would think has more practice with this shot than just about anybody um, and, and lock them down completely, you know? So that um, I, I do have a lot of, um, I am very, I felt like this is a very well-coached game and a very well-executed game, well-played game to say. Um, I mean, really just on all cylinders, yeah. I was pretty happy with this. Yeah, it's interesting because sometimes coaches will will take whatever you do best and make you do something else. But sometimes coaches will make you do what you do best and then just take away everything else. And I think that's what Coach Hamilton and his staff opted for. And it worked out. Um, it's easier uh, to look and say, oh, this worked out or this didn't work out, you know, 2020 hindsight, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> it's just interesting because like with with everything that North Florida did with their threes, the, the game still ended up being what it is. And, you know, you talked about the in-game adjustments. I think this team, you know, just, just came in knowing that they were going to win, but they still had to put in the effort. And from the first minute, everyone was ready to go. Like I said, I keep harping on that, but but I really I really think that's that's important because that's what this team is is built upon. It's not built upon hero ball. It's not built upon a, a duo of players that are just gonna will you to victory. No, it's built around a rotation of players. You see, a lot of players are getting minutes early on. Um, so the starting lineup will will be tweaked here and there, but I think we're gonna see a, a predominant majority of scotty barnes mj walker and so on but then now it, it, it becomes a matter of who are going to be the the sixth and seventh and eighth men to come off the bench early on oh yeah certainly and i think you know just to, to sum up that point you know it's it's you're right it's not hero ball it's not give the ball to mj walker or scotty barnes or whoever and just you know it's not just, you know, feeding it to somebody. It's definitely, I would call it a system. You know, it's like, all right, we're going to, you know, keep guys fresh. You're going to have a lot of new faces in. You know, we're almost going to kind of, you know, you can prepare for a starting five very well. But I think Coach Hammond's kind of got to where, all right, can you really prepare for every single person that theoretically might come off the bench? You know, for, I mean, some you prepare for more than others, but I think he kind of stretches the limits of, you know, what, you know, players, obviously players at this level are extremely skilled. You know, I'm not saying that they're, you know, they, they can't do it. But um, I think he's kind of maybe able to push the limits of how much they might be able to prepare minimally and then apply that physically in a game. Now, all right, last one of the last points that I want to make is um, in transition, I know that seemed to be one of the other spots where North Florida seemed to excel and you know so get, getting points in transition and then we saw obviously that super sexy dunk from uh Scotty Barnes I want to say Florida State was what like 17 to nothing 
in transition. I mean, they really just, you know, lit them up in a spot where UNF, I think, was expected to really, you know, do do very well. Um, yeah, fast breaks, 17 to nothing, Florida State. You know, that's one of the spots where I think North Florida, and again, this goes back to what we talked about with in-game adjustments and, you know, the game, the broader game plan of how FSU wants to attack stuff is um, I know FSU likes to, or UNF, excuse me. We have two teams in North Florida. I'm losing track of all. <laughs> but, um, you know, UNF kind of likes that transition period to say, all right, we've got everybody kind of at the opposite end of the court. You know, we can really kind of get on a fast break, shoot a three and, um, you know, kind of swing the balance. Um, And they did not do that. So I think then you apply that game plan a step further and say, okay, well, we'll kind of take away where you like to make your living on threes. So if you want to make threes, you had better just be hoping that you're you got the luck of the gods on your side, you know, and you were just shooting like, you know, your hair is on fire. You know, if you do that, you know, you can't really stop somebody super well, you know, if they're just shooting like, you know, Mm -hmm. just filthy, if they are just filthy beyond belief, you know, then, all right, you know, we can live with that. But, um, yeah, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna just say, all right, we'll just give it to you. You know, you, you gotta do it and you gotta, you know, be kind of reliant on that. So I, I was extremely, extremely pleased. Yeah, if you have a, a trio of Clay Thompson's in the third quarter, then yeah, you're probably going to lose no matter what. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. But if not, then you're going to get hit on the counter in the fast break. And that's where Florida State got their 17 points from. And, you know, they forced all those turnovers. So, you know, you got 29 points of turnovers. I think you can improve on that, actually and not have to, you know, go on a 16-2 run at the end. But, but yeah, I, I, I don't really think that there's much to talk about where, where Florida State needs to improve on based on this game. If anything, you know, Scotty Barnes didn't particularly shoot the ball as well as he would like to. But then again, he's not really a shooter. He has a lot of other areas where he can really cement his name. So the jump shot will come with more time and more reps. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really worried about this team based on just North Florida. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's anything to be worried about. But even still, you know, minus that 16-2 to two run, you know, that's when UNF was really just shooting, you know, like, you know, they, they were, to give them credit, they were shooting extremely well from three for the beginning of the second half. And even then, even then, Florida State was able to kind of, you know, keep it um, close enough to where that was only – enough to like break even with FSU. So, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think we've kind of exhausted any points of concern <laughs> that we might um, need to be upset about. So uh, do you have any final thoughts here? I kind of want to, I'd like to transition to the women's basketball game against Florida. I know that'll be a big one, but I, I, I want to know if there's anything that you've got um, left to offer to the fans. Go Knowles. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I love to hear that. So now let's transition to women's basketball, uh, which played. So men's played yesterday night. Women's played on Tuesday night. And it was against the University of Florida Gators. So that is always a fun game for um, anyone that wants to watch. I went down to a men's game at the O'Connell Center last year in Gainesville. Obviously a great time because FSU won. 
But um, I know this definitely brings out a lot of fun for UF and Florida State fans alike. And uh, thankfully for FSU fans, this was another victory for Florida State. I want to say that this is women's basketball's fifth victory in a row over FSU or no over UF. (laughs) Um, Yeah, definitely not the reverse. And I know that men's, I believe will want to make it seven this year. So um, lots to talk about for women's basketball. The one player that I want to just heap praise on in this game is Morgan Jones. Of course. (laughs) I know that in the past, obviously you had uh, Naja Wolfolk was definitely one of the, you know, focal points of this offense um, previously. Um, And Morgan Jones really, I know last year in the lead up to, um, to the ACC tournament really kind of seemed to find a new gear in her game. And I mean, 24 total points, you know, uh, over 25% of the total FSU offense. Um, I'm really pleased with the way that she played. Uh, Courtney Weber put up 14 points as well. Bianca Jackson, uh, the transfer, put up 14 as well. And then Valencia Myers with 14 too. Um, so, I mean, enough to – it was a 81-75 final score. So, I mean, that's – you know, those are, I mean, four huge difference makers right there. And then the other starter – in that game, uh, Sam Apuisis was just looking phenomenal. I mean, eight rebounds, second on the team to uh, Valencia Myers. Just the physicality of this this women's team. I believe they had something outrageous. Like, let um, I me mean, the total rebounds, fifty two total rebounds in forty minutes. That is just you know, I I was really really pleased with the way they played, especially that physicality. I know for um, Coach Sue, that is something that she has preached constantly. I've been to um, a lot of, you know, in a loss, that seems to be always the first thing out of her mouth is rebounds. And um, it definitely seems like uh, Brooke Wyckoff, who has stepped in as the interim coach, has uh, obviously made this another big focal point of the FSU attack. And uh, Gabriel, uh, what did you see? Yeah, this was a team that was ready to <laughs> battle it out in the paint, and I think they got the better of Florida, I would say. But uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting. I believe this was a season opener. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yes, so this yeah. was a season opener, and um, like I said, this is another situation where uh, a team has been looking forward to playing once again for over six months. So it was good to see them back on the court and. It's good to see, you know, the interim, the interim head coach uh, come in and get a W for her debut, but but also just you know remember that the the previous coach was phenomenal. So there's not much tweaking that needs to be done right now, I would say. And you know they got a important W against Florida. They made it five in a row, and um, yeah, it was a little hard to get, but but they got it. They battled it out, and I think that's only going to make this team better going forward knowing that they they went to a hard game and and they they got the w and you know (laughs) they just got to keep improving from here on out yeah yeah certainly and um i mean that first half it was back and forth i believe it was uh savannah wilkinson i want to say let me let me see here exactly who it was but i know it was just about tied and then um uh, yeah, again, I want to say that it was Savannah Wilkinson who scored right there 
before the half. Yeah, she had that jump right at the end of the half to put FSU ahead 39-37. And then you look at just kind of the, the breakdown uh, quarter by quarter. You know, it was 2017 FSU in the, in the third quarter, 22-21. You know, really not a lot of room for error, but they were kind of just, you know, winning on the margins right there. You know, even if it's just one possession a quarter, that's a, you know, four possession game by the end of the game. You know, two here. But, um, you know, they won by, yeah, one possession each quarter, 81-75 final. And then, obviously, um, Brooke Wyckoff, the new head coach, uh, or interim for this season as um, Coach Sue recovers. Um, I know that she has been – she's been an assistant from 2011 to 2018. And then a um, she's been a mainstay on the sidelines. She has been um, the associate head coach since twenty since the twenty eighteen season. So I know, and she played here from nineteen ninety seven to two thousand and one. So I mean, you want to talk about somebody that's got just unbelievable involvement with the team. You know, has been around. You know, seemingly around Florida State basketball in some capacity. The only um, interim that she had for that was playing in the pros in the uh, WNBA. So I know that she has been just um, around, obviously. And then Coach Sue was her head coach uh, during that time. So, I mean, they, you know, you've got to think that kind of the link between them here is really just kind of going beyond the typical um, head coach and assistant or second in command kind of thing here. So, and it definitely seemed like, you know, even though Coach Sue wasn't the one leading this team, that she was really, it was definitely her, her game plan that was um, getting put into place, just kind of physicality, you know, winning under the basket, you know, and kind of then, you know, the offense and everything else will take care of itself. If you can kind of minimize, you know, the, if you can really win your matchups under the basket. Yeah. And something that is very interesting to note is that Florida doubled their three point percentage. So four state shot 20% and then Florida shot 40%. And I think that's the only way that they stuck around because when you look at all the numbers, they shot le- the the worst field goal percentage in general, worst free throw percentage in general. Now, they didn't have as many turnovers, which is something else Florida State needs to look out for. They, they had 10 more turnovers than Florida did, but they only got two more points off turnovers than Florida State. So it wasn't the, the, the clean-cut finish from this team that you would hope for, but... You know, if if they sh- if they shoot twenty percent less than their opponents every night, you you're probably gonna be thinking that it's gonna be a bad night for them. But they still got out the st- they still got out with a W. So, props for, for sticking it yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And um, I know the one the big criticism that I would have for this game is, I mean, just the layups. I mean, the easy shots that Florida State was missing. You know, we talked about just kind of winning under the basket. You know, obviously on defense and then the physicality with rebounds, that's great. But missing easy shots like that, I'm sure that, you know, that's what, you know, gives your coaches an aneurysm on the <laughs> sideline. And, I mean, there was like five in the first quarter that they missed. You know, it seemed, I mean, to be eight or nine by the end of the game. You know, so obviously there, you know, that was you, – you don't want to have that be a regular occurrence. But, you know, so now I would I would want to chalk that up to – you know, yeah. it's the first game of the season. You know, these girls are just getting out for the mm-hmm. first time. And, you know, obviously UF is um, – I think Florida State's definitely got a leg up on them, but they look better exactly. than they have in the past. Um, so I, I was, you know, overall extremely pleased 
with that. And then um, I know just uh, you could also make this point for the men's team. You know, I know there was a lot of people and, you know, maybe we're just seeing the full, you know, maybe we're just seeing the Florida State Twitter side. But I know there was a lot of people that were not um, too happy about their their preseason ranking and number 22. And then for women's, you can make the same case. I remember seeing, you know, not as much national rankings but um their rankings as um you know within the acc and i i was constantly towards the bottom of the barrel now i understand they lost kyle gillespie they lost Naj wolfuck and then they lost nikki akamu who were kind of a, a you know there seemed to always be at least one of them that was having a fantastic game and i understand you're losing all three of them but I would hope that the emergence of Morgan Jones would offset that. And, I mean, she seemed to be just really, you know, playing her butt off in this game. So I would hope that this is, you know, we could expect this kind of consistency as the, as the season goes on. I know we saw flashes of this last year. Um, and then kind of intermittently we would see her have, you know, a heck of a game here and there. Um, I know towards the end of the last uh, towards the end of last season, she definitely seemed to really find her stride as well. So, um, but I would hope that, you know, both of these basketball teams were a little bit under, you know, had expectations that were too low rather than too high. So, I mean, obviously the expectation, I think, in Tallahassee is extremely high for both teams, but, you know, maybe they kind of, um, you know, maybe they just kind of got lost in the shuffle within the national media. And I mean, personally, I don't, with the personnel losses, I understand it, but I'm not, this is a team that lost in the final last year. This is not like, oh, you know, they lost to, you know, Wake Forest or something in, you know, the, the, you know, Mm -hmm. quarterfinals, you know, this isn't like a, you know, so I um, am hoping that, you know, this is a team that will, you know, will see this level of performance as the. As yeah, the I think we've already seen enough evidence that the media consistently underrates uh, the FSU men's basketball team. <laughs> but when it comes to the women, uh, it's either a coincidence or maybe it's because of Coach Chu Semra's absence, uh, obviously because of uh, her mom battling cancer. We, we were sure nothing but the best and we're praying for but yeah, I, I just don't see any reason why they're not being respected more. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that both these coaches will say, you know, we'll take exactly. the disrespect. That'll fuel us, you know, and then it, we'd rather be, you know, we'd rather catch everyone by surprise than, you know, be talked about endlessly and, oh, you know, well, now everybody's got us figured out. So, um, and then personnel wise, um, we saw Bianca Jackson um, do very well, and she transferred from South Carolina. And South Carolina, I find that very poetic just because, remember, um, gosh, what was it? Two years ago, that was the team that eliminated them in the NCAA tournament. I believe that they had eliminated them in, like, three of the last five NCAA tournaments that FSU had been in. They lost to South Carolina. <laughs> So in South Carolina is extremely, extremely good. You know, it's, they're definitely one of the hotter teams in women's basketball year in and year out. But I do find that a little bit just of, you know, poetic justice that, okay, we're getting somebody from the, uh, the Gamecocks that is really, 
you know, just from a team that kind of seems to have our number in the playoffs, you know, and then maybe, you know, hopefully if there is another repeat of that matchup, because there always seems to be, you know, that would be a, um, you know, hopefully that'll be the kind of the missing link. And then Isa Nicoletti, you know, she has been injured for the last two seasons and she finally got her first playing time as a member of the uh, women's basketball team um, in Tuesday night's game. So, I mean, it was just a little bit at the end of the game. I know she was in a, a car accident last year that um, she, she did recover from, but I'm sure they kind of want to just take it easy, you know, just let's get you out here and, um, you know, get you, give you a feel for everything after two years off. So, um, but um, still, I mean, picked up a rebound in a little bit of time on the, on the court. So, um, I, I mean, I'm still, I think those notes shouldn't go unmentioned, but overall, I think you would probably agree her, Gabriel, very successful um, uh, opening game for both FSU. Yeah, and after so much anticipation and build up for this, I think <laughs> getting a W, like I said, it's just so critical to calm the nerves and kind of just take a deep breath and say, okay, we're one to know but we're not satisfied yet. We still don't have the respect that we want. And now they just got to keep on doing it every day from here on out. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. I, I 100% agree. Now then let's talk about a program that has not had as much luck as of late. And that is football. You know, obviously we saw, I spent a, a, a considerable amount of time on last week's episode with uh, Chase Nevitt talking about just the the hullabaloo with um uh Davo Swinney over at Clemson uh you know and he, he's just consistently blown hot air I was writing you know for a while that seemed to be every day would generate enough material for a new article in that saga you know it was it was not the right kind of article I would say yeah I was like I, I mean well it was probably better than writing an article about that yeah, game to be true. completely honest with you but um you know, so it was, I mean, just my gosh. Um, and then now there was the cancellation of the Virginia game right before kickoff and the revelation that, oh, you know, we're only down to like 45 players. Um, and then now the kind of more proactive cancellation of the Duke game, you know, which has now been rescheduled to next Saturday, December 12th. Um, and I would think, you know, I mean, this is a team that's two and six. They've really got you know, they're kind of winning at both extremes, it seems like. You know, they beat number five, North Carolina, and FCS Jacksonville State for their only two wins of the season. But, you know, looking ahead, I would think that if there's one game that Florida State has a chance of winning, it might be that one. And then they'll play Wake Forest um, uh, the weekend after for the 19th. And then we've now got a couple um, – or Gabriel. Uh, I know there's been a few um, – a few more opt-outs, a few more players leaving the team. Um, what have you Yeah, seen we lost a lot of players in just a short span of time, which is very sad. Um, I can't say that it's such a big shock to me because of all the chaos that's been going on, not just through this season, but before. Uh, we lost to Santi Samuel Jr. Uh, he's one of the draft, as well as Marvin Wilson. And then, obviously, James Flackman opted out. He's looking to see if he can go to some other school in his final year because he would be a grad student. That's the only way he can get eligibility, I believe. 
Exactly. Yeah, he's going to be a grant transfer. And he, he said he's – and, I mean, he kind of indicated as much in a kind of oblique way. He said, oh, yeah. I want to focus on my academics, you know. So, yeah, the uh, finals approaching, everyone's got to do that. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. yeah um, and then, obviously, also LaDamian Webb opted out. And there was a little bit of uncertainty whether he would come back because of the message on social media that he sent out. It didn't seem like he was very um, – not necessarily appreciative, but just – not confident on where the program was headed at. And I don't think many people are either. So I wouldn't blame him for that. But it seems like he will be staying. He'll be back for spring football. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot more reps to to go around for freshmen and sophomores that are left here. Um, so we'll be seeing a lot more from, or new faces, I should say, during the last two games. And um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the, pro, how the team reacts to so many veteran – players and just leaders in general leaving the team under such a fashion you know there's been so many distractions so many uh just constant uh reminders that this team isn't where it wants to be and and so many things that they can use as a cop-out and now they're left with these two games to prove themselves that they're worthy of being a Florida State Seminole for the future and obviously to Mike Novell if he, you know, decides to stay and whatever. So I'm not really putting too much into the next two games, but I am excited to see if there's any revelations for the future. Yeah, and I know there was that deleted tweet by Tamari and Terry. Um, you know, this is back during the, um, you know, Clemson fiasco. But I know that he said, um, you know, if you saw some of the um, – you know, things that FSU had done with COVID, you know, there might be some negatives with that. I know uh, that Dabo had the allegations that there was a player that tested positive who um, traveled with the team. And obviously that wasn't true, but you got to think that then having like just 40 whatever players left for that UVA game has got to be kind of a lot of, uh, you know, just kind of for FSU, that's kind of getting egg on your face after the whole, um, after the, you know, what had gone on with, um, with Clemson and, um, you know, props to UVA Bronco Mendenhall, uh, did not seem happy about that outcome. He, I believe he said, I have no desire to return to Florida state and play another game this season, you know, so I'm sure he's pissed, but you know, he didn't make a big stink out of it in the media, like, uh, uh, coach Dabo did. So, you know, um, that was unfortunate, you know, I, I, I was certainly not happy as a Florida State fan, as I doubt virtually anyone was with how that, you know, whole scene transpired. And then as well, um, speaking of players that want to focus on their academics, Jaden Mars would be. Um, he's been kind of a, a jack of all trades in this um, FSU defense. I know he kind of came in with uh, Willie Taggart, and then now he's shifted around. But I was always a little unsure of how he was getting used in a Willie Taggart defense. Now, I know they shifted from a 4-3 um, to a 3-4 um, you know, from 2018 to 2019, but he was like a, you know, first he was a linebacker, and then he was like a safety, and then he was an edge rusher, and it was just you never really, you know, I, I'm not a fan of that kind of constant reshuffling of what it is that he's actually doing. So, um, you know, I'm sure, and he's, he's graduating. You know, he's a very – I have had class with him, and he's a pretty focused student. He's graduating with his degree in international affairs, and I think he's only 20. So, you know, for him, he's definitely been kind of laser-focused. He's been one of the more um, 
involve players in the Tallahassee community. I know along with Marvin Wilson, who you mentioned, and then also it was a little disappointing to see uh, Corey Durden hop into the transfer portal. He had been kind of the other standout defensive tackle along with Marvin Wilson, but you know, I'm sure, I mean, this is kind of a, I, I think for sure that it's definitely a youth movement coming on here. And I'm not sure that, you know, a lot of these, older players want to be around for, you know, what looks to be probably next year, another year of, you know, just kind of slugging through the muck. So and I, I can't blame them, but what do it's you It's disappointing. It's disappointing. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I can't blame them for, you know, choosing themselves and, and thinking about their futures. But as a fan, I'm just disappointed on where the team's at. And it's been just so much noise and, and not the kind of noise that you want to hear. It's the, kind of noise that wakes you up in the middle of the night and you have a final the next day and you're like, man, this is not good. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, I totally, I, totally agree. I wish them luck in their futures and I wish this team luck for the remaining two games. I hope that we can be Duke. I, I would, I would really hope so. Cause I think I'm going to go to the game and uh, I would like to, to leave Doak with, with good memories for a couple more months. Um, but, but yeah. Uh, okay. I'll be there as well. It'll be my last, uh, my last game day as an FSU student. You know, mm. unless I'm back here for grad school. Um, but as a as an undergrad, it'll definitely be my last game day. So yeah, I'll, that's going to be, gonna be well. quite the last day for you, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, there will be a win. You know, no. But you know, um, I think we we talked quite a bit about football here. You know, kind of covered the little just intermittent news in between these games. So we'll see. I'm sure there will be new stuff bubbling out of the program um, next week. But um, And then we've obviously had great conversation here about the both basketball teams. Um, and so, uh, Gabriel, any um, Yeah, man, just you? thanks for having me on. It's, it's kind of funny that first time I came on, it was for the, the season opener <laughs> for football, and now I'm here for the season opener in basketball. So I'll hopefully come back sooner than <laughs> the season opener for, for baseball. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, always a pleasure to come on in yeah. and talk in sports with you, man. And it's always a pleasure to have you on here. You're on for the first episode of the Revamp Show, and now you're on for what might be one of the last episodes of the semester. So um, you can always find Gabriel and I's work in the FSU and Florida Flambeau. Uh, you can find those on the white boxes on campus. New issues are in print on Mondays, and then you can always find our work online 24-7-365. So again, this has been an episode of Talk and Shop, um, uh, the podcast of the FSU and Florida Flambeau. Thanks again for listening.